0: I'm glad to be with you uh, this week and appreciate certainly appreciate all of your prayers for Lori and I as we were on the road last Sunday for uh, my aunt's funeral and I was honored to have the opportunity to to uh, preach the gospel and the glories of the resurrection to family and, and uh, to celebrate her life um, and... Uh, she had a long ordeal of, of being in very uh, serious need of, of constant care uh, for over five years, and uh, my uncle was a very amazing caregiver, that, which the family was very thankful for, but um, we're very uh, thankful for your prayers as we're on the road, and and for Dennis covering for me, I had to call him kind of last minute there and ask him to step in, and I heard that things went very well. Thank you, Dennis. Um, this morning, uh we're back in Romans. Uh, it seems like uh, it was necessary to to skip this through the Christmas season and the celebration of of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and this is a very difficult passage. Um, I noticed in a number of the commentaries that it was just skipped, <laughs> and so that tells you something. I mean, several of them—they they basically just skipped some of the verses here that, uh, by God's grace, I intend to deal with this morning. And I certainly understand. Usually, it's—it's it's, uh, when it's uh, skipped there is um uh, let's see it's because it's very controversial and uh see if that will work for us there you go uh, so um <clears throat> but uh, uh on this occasion it's it's uh, not just that it's controversial, it's it's very hard to address and, uh, and very graphic uh, in uh, what's being said in our passage. So if you'll turn your Bibles to, to Romans chapter 1 and we'll uh, look at verses this morning, 24 through uh, 32, and I don't expect to get through that, I expect it to be a two-parter uh, at least. Um, but um, <clears throat> we'll uh we'll deal with it as as God uh, allows us the time and and uh opportunity to address these things i really feel like if if they were addressed that uh that we might not be in the trouble that we're in in our country today and part of the problem is that uh that pastors and theologians have have uh have not uh, commented in the exposition of these verses, these passages, uh, because it's very necessary, needful for us to understand God's word on the matter. And actually, I'd like to go back to verse 18 uh, to begin, or verse 15, if we may, um, and uh, read through the end of the chapter since we've been off since the 1st of December. Uh, so, beginning in verse 15 of chapter 1 of Romans, Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and the salvation to all who believe. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth. Who suppress? uh, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, And divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. So they are without excuse. (coughs) Excuse me. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them over to a degrading passages, passions for their women exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also, men abandon the natural function of the woman and burn in their desire toward one another, men with men, committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they knew the ordinance of God that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. May God add His blessing to the reading of this word. And so this morning we want to look at these, uh, path- this passage from verses 24 that God gave them over and you'll find the repetition of this verse in of this phrase in verse 24 verse 26 and 28 uh there's a repetition and some additional uh points being made by the apostle Paul in regard to the pagan minds uh mindset and the uh, spiraling the down spiraling uh condition that men find them in for rejecting what they knew about God and did not, that they knew about God, but did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him as God. Um, I know that I, I used to think that it was not that man doesn't know God. It's it's uh, I used to think it was that man didn't know God. Um, and the question that's, that's often asked in this, these passages is, about what about the pagan that hasn't ever heard the Gospel? And why... Uh, are they uh, judged and does God make exception for those that have, have never heard uh, the revealed truth of God? And so these passages teach us that uh, that God has revealed Himself in His creation and through His creation and made Himself known. Uh, and so uh, we look at general revelation in chapter 1 here that God is speaking of. And pagan men's judgment is based upon the amount of revealed truth uh, that is given by God and to his creation, to his creation, and through his creation uh, to to those that have not heard the gospel. And yeah. their judgment is on that basis. Uh, so general revelation, or natural uh, revelation, is, is that which is through the created order. Um, and the Scripture teaches us in Psalm nineteen one that the heavens declare the glory of God. Now I used to think that men, uh, it is not that men, I found that it is not that men doesn't know God, it's that he knows God but doesn't honor him as God. That's what this passage teaches here. Uh, so it's not that the atheist doesn't know God, it's that he doesn't like God and that he develops uh, in his heart uh, this dishonor for his very own creator because that which may be known of God is manifested in uh, his his created beings and so as a creature it is needful for us to be here this morning uh, to worship God and to uh, give thanks to God because he's God. Uh, and to uh, withdraw those things uh, brings, a, in a sense, an absence of God's presence because His presence uh, sustains us and holds us back from evil. So as we look at these, these passages, we find that God gives them over. It's an act on God's part. It's, uh, it's something that He does there. Um, that uh, is in regard to the idolatry and the rejection uh, that takes place in those who know God but do not honor him as God or give thanks to him as God. So um, uh, another thing that we, we, we look at that's, that's uh, necessary for us to understand is that God has, or that we're given, an innate sense of God consciousness um, in general revelation. The knowledge of God comes uh, in God's created beings because uh, the Scripture says here in, in uh, chapter one. Because that which is known of God is evident within them, because God made it evident to them. So the Scripture tells us that that uh, that the people that we share the gospel with have an innate God consciousness that their Creator put within them. Okay? So and it's that uh revelation of God's truth through the natural created order uh, that is condemning to those uh pagans that have, have never heard the uh prophets or of the Lord Jesus or of the gospel. Uh, because remember going back to, to verse 16 I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation to all who believe and then he begins uh, with uh, in verse 18 with the wrath of God is revealed from heaven and it's all unrighteousness and ungodliness so there's three parts there's the pagan man that is, uh, that is picked up here in verses 18 uh, through chapter 1, there's the moral man uh, that that doesn't have the uh, revealed truth, the, the scripture, uh, the teaching of, of God's canon of scripture, the word, the prophets, or the revealed truth that God gave, as opposed to the general revelation, the special revelation that's given in scripture. Uh, and then thirdly, there's the ones that are given the revealed uh, word of God, through the law of Moses and through the prophets, the teaching of the prophets. Um, and so it's all-encompassing. Uh, the pagans, those who have not heard any of the reveal or the special uh, revelation of God, uh, the moral uh, unbelievers, the moral pagans that, that are religious and have morality, uh, yet uh, they are still in unbelief. So the scripture teaches that all of these Things are condemned, which brings us to the third uh, thing that we would look at, and that is the moral law. Uh, the moral law is, is given uh, innately with, within man. And what it says in verses 18 is that the, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So it's saying that that general revelation, knowledge of God that the pagan person has that has never heard the gospel or the special revelation that God has given is suppressed in the unbeliever and God holds them responsible for that suppression of truth. Okay, Does that make sense to you? So... Uh the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So what is the Apostle Paul doing here uh, and, and what is this procedure in Romans as we look at this this passage? Okay, where's he where is he leading us? Uh, he he's he's making up the this the first he's laying the first foundation stone there, and that is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so what is he bringing us to? He's bringing us back to uh, verse 16 there. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to all who believe. Uh, and it's all-encompassing. So as we look at these pagans, all who believe, as we look at the, the moral and religious, more religious person, that is, is still just as lost for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, there's the salvation. It's the power of salvation for them. And as we look at, at those that were given revealed truth through the law and and the law was unable to save them, unable to deliver them, uh, Paul is making the point that there's none righteous, no, not one, none that seek after God, none that does good, that we are all in need of God's salvation. So the moral law is something that all mankind has within their heart. It's a knowledge of God. It's a knowledge of of righteousness. uh, And it's the rejection or suppression of those truths we're held accountable for. And the scripture teaches that we're judged on the basis of that suppression of that knowledge about God. Does that make sense to you? Okay, it's, it's this passage is hugely important to us in regard to a question that often comes up when we're speaking with unbelievers because uh, they want to know uh, how it is that God is just for the, the pagan that's on the island that has never heard the gospel uh, and, and what is the, the basis for, for their condemnation and Paul teaches it here and so we need to understand it as those that would would uh take the power of the gospel and not be ashamed of the gospel uh the understanding that 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 condemnation and the urgency that it brings for the message that God has given to us and call us to as his people right so god has given us general revelation we have an innate god consciousness knowledge of our creator we have the moral law that is uh, that is suppressed within our hearts beyond our knowledge and understanding of Scripture. Today, we've been given much revelation of the truth of God's Word, and it's very, very sad to see our nation in the state in which it is in. God's Word says in Isaiah 66, verse 2, For, for my hand made all of these things, Thus all of these things came into being declares the Lord but to this one I will look to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. And that's his word that is is spoken through the revelation of his creation and it's his word that's spoken through the, the special revelation that has been given in the canon of scripture which we hold in our hands today. So. Uh, we look they knew god and they did not honor him as god um, and uh so uh, what does god demand of us as his people uh that uh, that we we recognize him and that we worship him this morning that we acknowledge in humility uh and contriteness of spirit and that we tremble at his word that we understand the urgency and the need for the gospel, and that we understand that it's the power of God and the expression of a merciful yet a just God that cannot lay His justice aside, uh, and that that all sin is leads to death and separation from this God, and therefore it had to be dealt with. So the power of the gospel is that in His in His love, His great love for us that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he that receives not the Son is condemned already, but he that receives the Son has eternal life. And that's God's mercies to us. Uh, so with the Apostle Paul, we should not be ashamed of the Gospel and we should acknowledge the urgency of the message that he's giving to us in these very serious verses that are spoken here. So, uh, God gave them over, and let's look at verse 24 then. Uh, I, w- I want to do one other thing here. Uh, our Constitution expresses this idea of moral law. And it's expressed in our, our Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Uh, the self-evident truths that, that I believe our founders understood in the writing of this document was that that there are, are certain. There's a certain understanding within God's created beings of His righteousness. There's a, a certain moral law that gauges uh, law that we put in place. Uh, there's a certain moral law that involves relationships with community and nations and churches and people uh, that that is innately within us. Uh, and whether whether we have Moses' law, where we have the New Testament or the Old Testament, uh that that, that moral law is self evident to us. It. is is innate within us as uh, the consciousness of God. In fact, it's related to this consciousness that we have with God. That all men are created equal and they're uh, endowed with certain inalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights governments are instituted among men uh, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Uh, This is a beautiful expression of of moral law and this this principle of moral law the moral law nearly always is is expressed in what we expect uh, and how we expect others to treat us in other words that injustice that you feel when you're cheated or lied to is, is an innate understanding that this is not right. Um, we don't often see it when, uh, when we do it, but when someone does it to us, uh, that moral law is, is in place. I mean, it's, it's there and it's solid as a rock. Uh, is it not? And, and didn't Jesus uh, pretty much uh, state uh, the moral law when he said, uh, do unto others as you would do unto them? He's, he's saying the same thing here and making the same principle that that we have this innate sense of, of justice that the light seems to come on when someone does it to us and we realize, hey, that's not right. Uh, that's the moral law within us. That's what what uh, what speaks to our heart. It's the way God has designed us. Um, and so, um, the point here is that legislating morality is necessary for society and it's it's constitutional it's something that that should be in place and all of this is is to be said in in light of of what we're going to say and I'm very much aware that um, that I didn't pray so I want to just take a moment to pray as uh, as we go into further into these verses Father in heaven, uh, we're very uh, thankful for your word, for it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Lord, we acknowledge how that uh, we so desperately need to order our steps in your word. And yet, uh, in the darkness and sin and uh, darkness that's in this world that we live in, uh, it becomes very difficult to see clearly and to know clearly uh, certain steps that we should take as believers in regard to uh, moral issues and ethical issues and things that are are just according to to moral uh, law that you've given to us as your creatures. God, we desire to uh, to know your truth. We desire to not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove Your good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As Your people, we so desire uh, to to know and to stand on the truth and to represent the name of our glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, well. Uh, so I pray that Your Spirit would teach us the things that we need to know through these verses this morning. And we ask, we uh, acknowledge in humility, Lord, our uh, lost estate and inability uh, to know the truth and to stand on the truth apart from you doing the work of your grace and salvation at work within us. So I plead it for your people this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, um, what we're seeing in these verses is, is man's de- uh, progression to, to depravity. And I just want to go through... Uh, what we see in the verses that we proceeded with back in December, uh, but basically it says this that we do not honor him as God. We find that um, in verse twenty one for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks and that second point would be that we're not thankful okay so as man enters into this depraved state where the the full total depravity uh, begins to be expressed, uh, this, is, this is the procedure that takes place. Uh, then they begin to speculate foolishly. They become uh, vain in their reasoning. The reasoning powers don't work properly. And we see that with the insanity of some of the things that are taking place in our country today, right? I mean, it's crazy out there. Just how can people think this way? The reasoning powers become darkened and then uh it says the minds are darkened uh, because the the reasoning becomes vain uh, and then the affections of the heart are darkened, so there's the heart the uh, what we what we love and what we uh, as we turn from from God and from the uh, spiritual realities of the nature of man and the image of God in man, and we turn to uh, the material world, and begin to embrace it, we start to move toward idolatry, right? The worship of these things, where these things are, we find our security in them rather than finding it in God. We find uh, that that we pursue uh, certain things that are, the affections of our heart are given toward material things uh, and not toward our God and our Creator and the higher things that He's called us to spiritually, Right? And, and then, uh, there begins the prideful profession, professing them to be wise. They became fools. So pride enters in. So we, this, in the darkness of our thinking, we think, we begin to think, well, I can do life my own way. And we begin to, to displace God and say, uh, I am the master of my own soul, the captain of my own soul, the master of my own destiny. I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take the bull by the horns and and do life my way because I'm in charge and I'm Lord of my own life. And that attitude of pridefulness comes into men rather than the humility, the humble and contrite spirit that trembles at God's Word and acknowledges His greatness and our need of His uh, uh, rule and lordship. Uh, and then from there from the prideful the profession uh of of actual foolishness in our pride uh, we enter into idol worship according to the pers- the progression of events that take place in these verses they worship the material world instead of our god who is spirit and truth and righteousness and justice and the beauties of what we saw in the lord jesus christ so as we we look at uh Verse twenty four. There, there. It says, therefore, because of these things, God gave them over. God gave them over to impurity, or sometimes translated uncleanness. Um, but the idea there is is that there's there's uh, the darkness and the the uh, realities of our total depravity and our fall from our God and Creator. Begins to be displayed. Uh, And our affection begins to be given. To to material things. To to this world. Rather than to the greatness. Of our God and creator. Uh, And we lose sight of. That men should. uh, uh, Show their good works. And glorify our father in heaven. And that the chief end and aim. Is that we are to give our Creator, uh, glory. And we were created in God's image for those purposes. And so as we're given to impurity of thought, he's speaking here, and it, we're given over to the lust of their own hearts. Uh, and uh, these these lusts are, are driven by the fleshly nature and by our fallen nature. So uh, the lust of our own heart are, are those affections the things that we desire. And our desires become tainted because uh, rather than being given to, to God and our love of God, and that's why the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your heart. Uh, that's with all of your affection. The thing that that um, that Jesus rebukes the, the church at, at Ephesus over is that they lost their affection, uh, they lost their first love for for the Lord Jesus. Uh, they were wise, they had knowledge of Scripture, but they, they lost their affection, the affection of the heart. And God wants your affection. He wants you to love Him. He wants you to come here and, and, and genuinely from the heart sing praises to Him, acknowledge Him and give thanks to Him to know that He is God and to recognize His greatness and express worship and give thanks to God. Uh, that's what we, we, we should do. It's what our lives should be about. Uh, uh, thankfulness to our Creator. Acknowledgement that every good thing that we enjoy in life has been given by Him. Uh, it is it's it's possessed by him. He's the creator of it, um, as he says, "My hand made all of these things, and thus all of these things came into being." And in light of that, uh, the lust of our our heart, the affection of our heart, should be given uh, to God and not uh, to these uh, uh, tainted uh, temporal uh, things. And And when it it does, it becomes something that was good and given by God becomes something that is very uh, wicked and twisted. And, uh, of course, that's what uh, Scripture teaches us. Um, And basically, it's what man wants to do as opposed to what man ought to do in relation to the moral law that God has put in his heart. So God gives them over to this. God, who sustains all things... God who is good, God who created all things and they were all good. We go back to Genesis chapter 1 and, and all of these things were good. And and yet uh, God gives them over uh, to darkness. Um, so the scripture tells us to delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, that's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, well, what about these desires of the heart? And and, and they're given over to the lust of their hearts here, which isn't good. So there are some desires that are in the heart that are not good. What does God mean that if we delight ourselves in the Lord? And it's, it's conditional there, isn't it? Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Did you know and realize that God... Uh, understands the what you really desire uh, are you at the place in your Christian life when you realize that there's a lot of things in life that I desired and I pursued after that i, I when i when I actually laid hold of them I discovered I really didn't it, you know it really wasn 't a good desire in my heart it wasn't and so the condition there is that we delight ourselves in the lord and, and it keeps it in the proper order. Uh, when we know God, we honor Him as God and we recognize that, hey, my God understands the desires of my heart. He created me this way. To know that that pursuit of those desires are, are needful uh, in regard to, to his, his plan uh, to unfold. So, um, uh, And he, he will understand if, if we can just trust Him, He'll bring us to that place where in the fulfillment of the, the real desires of our heart that God our Creator has given to us that we don't know and often do not see because our fleshly nature hides it and covers over it, that if we'll just trust Him, that He will give us the desires of our heart. Things that we don't even know about. And, and we'll discover that it's found in the pursuit and in the priority of honoring God and giving glory to God. No other place. And, and, and the, the, the tragedy of mankind is that we've looked every other place. We keep looking every other place to find that fulfillment of who we are and that identity of who we are and the significance of who God made us to be in His calling because it's there when we delight ourselves in the, in the will of our God and Father who loved us and created us. And he, he yearns for you to know that fullness. It's not an easy path in a fallen world. And it's not that there's not difficulties there. And it requires that the just shall do what? Live by faith. Right? So, and that means simply that we trust our God and Creator. That knowing Him, we put our trust in Him and delight ourselves in the Lord. But here, man is given over to the lust of their own hearts, and the tragedy is that it leads to this impurity. Uh, and the lust of the own heart leads them, as it says in this verse, uh, to dishonor their own bodies. And so we find this horrible uh, situation that's very difficult to speak about from the pulpit that in verse 25, for they exchanged the truth of God. um, uh, Let's see. Yes, they dishonored their own bodies and then for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So Paul is, is beginning this, this, uh, these verses with, with this uh, exchange of the truth of God. This is the moral law. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. Uh, and, 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 and what's the significance of, of that? Why, why, is it, uh, why do you think Paul speaks of it as a lie? It goes back, all the way back, doesn't it? Back to the garden. Back to the deceit of the evil one. Back to the expression that this is the way that you should go. Uh, if you partake of this fruit, if you do these things, you will have knowledge of good and evil. It goes back to man's pride. It goes back to uh, to, to self-seeking. Uh, it goes back to a lie. That is, is told over and over and again and again, uh, that we may, uh, exchange that which is innately true within us as God's creation for that which is a lie. And we worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Now, this is a summary of the, the things that he will speak about. So, the, 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 uh, truth is exchanged for the lie. The word, the creature is worship not the Creator. In our case, in, in, in a big way today, it is the worship of man. It is putting man on the throne and determining that, that the highest pursuit is man's happiness. It's what pleases me. Uh, basically, the secular humanist, uh, humanist manifesto expresses that the, the greatest cause of man is the, his pursuit of happiness. And, and that involves the pursuit of pleasure and whatever it is that the, the flesh lusts after or longs after. And it's qualified in the humanist manifesto so as long as it doesn't hurt someone else. Okay, So if it doesn't hurt someone else and it's our happiness, then it should, that's our highest pursuit, the highest gain. So it's man on the throne of his life. It's man being Lord of his own life. It's man living life the way he wants to, apart from God, apart from his Creator. And that's idolatry. And that basic religion has infiltrated our schools, our educational system. It's infiltrated our our culture. Uh, It has destroyed us. It's destroyed the family. It's destroyed uh the the upcoming generations, uh it has destroyed institutions, it's destroyed our, our institution of law, it's destroyed our institution of education, it's destroyed our in- medical institution, all of it because religion and morality, in this case secular humanism, has infiltrated in that ethical those ethical standards have replaced Christianity and brought us to the place where we are. It's a place of idolatry, folks. It's, it's idolatry. It is the rejection of God. It's the removal of God from the schools. It's removal of prayer from the schools. It's removal of the Ten Commandments and anything that speaks of the revelation of the moral law of God and the replacement of man on the throne doing his own thing. Go in his own way. And do we not see the consequences of it?
1: Yeah.
0: The consequences have been horrible. Uh, and so we serve the creature and not the creator. And, and what it does is it breaks down into darkness all of these, these things. The, the health of, of the family and the home is broken in our country. It's broken in the world today. It is, is tragic. Uh, What has taken place? So let's look at verse 26 then. Uh, For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And Romans 1.26, notice again that that God gives them over. So they're given over uh, to the lust of their own heart. Uh, to dishonor their own bodies, and that's the kind of the summary statement there. Uh, they're given over to impurity. Here they're given over to degrading passions, and uh, and this is the result of the fact that they did not honor God or give glory to God, but they they uh, fell into idolatry, and so. Uh, one of the things that I've, I've wondered about is, is often that you may speak with someone that is a practicing homosexual, or in this case, in verse 26, a lesbian, uh, because we're speaking of women here, um, and they will say, uh, yeah, I believe in, in I'm, a, I'm a Christian, I believe in in uh, Jesus. And so what does that mean? Um, and is it, is it possible to, um, to, uh, to have, um, uh, uh, that, that belief and ignore his, who he is, ignore his word? So, uh, if, if, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe who he is, that he's God, and His Word says this, and you ignore that Word. Uh, is that that real belief, or is that knowing God and dishonoring this God? You know, not honoring this God, and and not recognizing. Uh, and is that belief in God? You know, that, that becomes the the question. So, um, uh, for for those that are, I mean, you have to ask it. Well. Uh, it is, And we know that, that people can be in sin, that, that there are uh, homosexuals that are, are, are actually practicing, that they may be believers, they, they could have, have fallen into uh, to, to sin to this degree. It's not that, that, that we don't know believers that, that are, are in gross sin, gross areas of sin, gross things that happen, and, and they, they fall into those states. Uh, but to, to say, uh, you, you have to ask the question, does one really put put their trust? Do they really believe in the Lord Jesus Christ at that point? Uh, and so to me, the first question is, well, uh, uh, and, and the first thing to address is, is have you, are you really engaged in the faith? So, and I think that the scripture is, is very clear that, that when someone is, is doing these things that you approach them as one that you need to to make sure that you're really a believer, that you've really trusted in Jesus Christ Uh, because this uh, is what in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, God, Apostle Paul says that no homosexual shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, So um, the... Uh, indication there is that, that one at least that is practicing as a homosexual, uh, would, would not, uh, know God, uh, would not have eternal life, uh, and their fruit would display that they're not a believer. Uh, so I think you begin with the gospel, uh, again, in regard to, uh, to speaking and addressing, uh, those issues. So, they're given over to degrading passions. And here in verses 26 and 27, we're addressing lesbianism. Uh, so, t- uh, two women that are engaged uh, today because of the legalization in our country of, of, home, of same-sex marriages, uh, they uh, may be in, engaged as uh, marriage partners. Uh, and these, uh, the scripture, is very clear these are degrading passions uh, it's for the destruction of the body uh, that uh, that these things take place uh, and so th- that scripture says that uh, for the women exchange the natural and it's interesting here because and these are the things that the the uh, commentators skipped over uh, but What it means, what this word means is the natural sexual uh, uh, function of of sexual intercourse. And uh, so uh, they exchanged what was natural, what God designed for what it says for unnatural uh, sexual intercourse Um, and uh, so, uh, there, again, there's a breach of the natural law and there's a preaching of the conscience of, of uh, humanity that this is wrong. Natural law or moral law expresses that uh, these things are wrong. The natural biological function of the body is designed by God and created a certain way. And so this is a violation of that it's, and, and the scripture calls it unnatural. Uh, the word is physikos uh, from physics. Uh, and uh, it addresses that which is, is designed by nature, that God designed by nature, which is being violated here. So the medical consequences, uh, the consequences are that the, the natural bi- biological uh, function of the body is, is, uh, violated, uh, and the giving over, uh, uh to the de- destruction of the body or to, as, what does it say, uh, to dishonor their bodies, uh, is, uh, in regard to these things. The medical consequences, uh, of, of, uh, homosexual, both male and female, uh, is, uh, very, very serious. In fact, uh, we find that in dishonoring their own bodies, that the that the uh, STDs, the sexual transmitted diseases, um, and other uh, things that that the unnatural function of uh, of what they're doing uh, shortens their lives uh, almost to to half a lifespan, uh, and uh, studies have been done in regard to this and, and uh I I would get some of the information from um, from Frank Turek and Norman Geisler's book on legislating morality uh, but there was a study done regarding homosexuality published in nineteen ninety four uh, in the Omega Journal of Death and Dying and the study compared six thousand and seven hundred and thirty seven uh obituaries, uh death notices from eighteen newspapers, but it was also taken by the homosexual uh community. Um uh, so it's it's not uh a, a, a opposing source that they're getting this information from. And the intent was to discover what kind of uh homosexual uh, kind of affect the homosexual lifestyle had on the lifespan compared to the lifespan of heterosexuals, and but uh, to make it short, the lifespan at that time for the uh, heterosexual was 75. For the male homosexual, it's 40. Uh, that that's the the median age that that they live to. So they've shortened, they've dishonored their bodies in such a way by violating the moral law. That it it's uh, it shortens their lifespan almost by half, and for the the lesbian women that were were checked, it was almost as bad. Uh, their their median lifespan was 44. Uh, so we can say just on the basis of uh, uh, the medical consequences for the the human body uh, that that moral law would teach us that it's all wrong. You know, it's detrimental to, uh, to you to engage in this uh, type of sexual activity. Uh, it's dishonoring to your body. It's dishonoring to the natural uh, way that God created us. And, and, it's, and it's killing you. And it's killing other people. Uh, the health care cost uh, for the homosexual community is, is off the charts uh um, it's, it's more than uh than uh the health care costs for any other uh groups of people uh and that's the effectiveness of their lobby uh but also the uh passing of same-sex marriage has been uh detrimental as well and so uh so we have these these issues uh to to deal with uh the married woman's heterosexual is 79 uh, the median for the lesbian is uh lifespan was 44 out of the the uh um <coughs> the uh, um, the uh chart that was taken of uh, the study that was taken so verse 27, let's look then at 27 and 28. In the same way also, the men abandon the natural function of the woman and burn in their lust toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty for their error. Uh, so uh, God gave them over to degrading passions and then it goes from women to, to men uh, and there's speculation as to why it began with women and goes to men. Uh, but... You know, who knows? Uh, but the, the point is uh, that whereas uh, women exchanged, uh, the homosexual men burned in their lust for one another. That's the main verb there. In the same way also the men abandoned the natural function uh, toward one another and they, they burned uh, in their, their lust for one another. Uh, and so that's the, the tragedy and the, the unnatural uh desires uh and yet um, it's important to to recognize uh, for all of us that that these things are in us um, and uh that that um, we have uh certain compulsions uh whether you have uh you know tendencies toward homosexuality or that type of thing or not that we all have uh, these compulsions uh within us toward the flesh, toward sins. And uh so one of their arguments and one of the arguments that they have is that um you know we were born this way, that we have this compulsion uh and and we can't help ourselves uh that we're uh that you know that we have uh these things and, and therefore you know we're consenting adults And, uh, and, and this, uh, this compulsion can't be changed within us, uh, because it's genetically placed there. That's one of their arguments. Uh, and these arguments do not just, they can't stand, can they? Uh, because if you're homosexual, you don't reproduce, so how do you, how do you transmit, uh, those genetic qualities to the next generation? Uh, it, it can't be, uh, genetically transmitted, uh, and the realities are that in our sin natures, that we all have certain compulsions toward uh, certain areas of sin. And if God turns us over, then we, you know, we end up with uh, in the and seeing some of the full extent of what total depravity means. Uh, and it's a God that restrains. Uh, our our sin nature and and his activity here in giving them over uh, to those aspects of total depravity is being uh, displayed and expressed through these verses. Um, So, uh, uh, let's see. So, I would make the point that... that, having compulsion compulsion toward uh, one thing or another doesn't mean that, that we participate in it. Uh, and that would be true with pedophiles. So you, you, uh, a pedophile has a compulsion toward uh, certain sins, but moral law tells us that there should be law against it. Um, and same with same-sex marriage. And uh, so that's the point to be made here is uh, that that we're that we are born with those compulsions; they're innately within us. Uh, but God restrains them, and sometimes He gives us over to them. But we're still judged on the basis of of our of what we choose to do, uh, and that's that's how God's judgment comes upon mankind. So men with men, verse twenty-seven, uh, they. Uh, forsake the natural use, uh, sexual use of the woman. It is sexual use. Is the again the this, uh, the point of the words that are used there? Um, and uh, the homosexual men burned, uh, and they forsake the natural use, and they um, uh, receive. They commit indecent acts. They commit indecent acts. Uh, and the scripture says uh, that they receive the due penalty uh, for those acts. That there's uh, responsibility in regard to it. So, um, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God no, uh, any longer God gave them over to a depraved mind. I'm going to pick up with that next time. Um, but I did want to uh, to close with. Um, something this morning uh because in uh Washington uh DC in the rotunda uh, recently there was uh ex LGBTs prayed to repent on behalf of the nation for the sin of homosexuality and uh they went to Washington with this organization called Change. One of our representatives Louis Gohmert was there uh with them And uh, they came to Washington and uh, gave testimony uh, to what it means to have a changed life. transform life it's what our Lord Jesus is able to do and uh, what a, an incredible testimony uh, that we look at and, and a, an incredible reminder that uh, that we need to love uh, those that are have been given over and we need to know that we're not ashamed of the, the power of the gospel, for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes. And our message needs to be clear. And we need to know and stand on what the Scripture teaches and uh, and know in these these days and troubled times that the power of the gospel is what's needed. It's what's necessary. And uh, so let us pray. Father in heaven, we are, are thankful for your word. We're thankful in confusing and dark and troubled times, and uh, in uh, that that we can understand and know uh, what is what uh, the truth is, where the light is. Uh, we know and understand the power of the gospel, the transforming power of the gospel. Uh, it is the power, it is the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The glory of of His coming. The glory of His humbling Himself not only to become obedient to uh, You, our Heavenly Father's will, but to uh, humbling Himself even to endure the shame of the cross on our behalf. To take away all of our sins. To cleanse us by His precious blood from all of our sin and unrighteousness and God to preserve us, to redeem us to You, to reconcile us to Your, uh, to a relationship with You, our Heavenly Father, that we might know and walk in the light and truth of Your Word and that we may have right relationship and fulfillment of who we are and who You created us to be. Uh, Lord, we pray uh, for the troubles in our nation. We pray Uh, for those that have rejected You, uh, for those that You've turned over uh, to, to, to such things. And we pray, Lord God, that our message would be clear, that we would proclaim the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that we might see many that would come to redeeming faith in our Lord and Savior. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.